Greetings in Jesus' name. This is Pastor Sean, and you're listening to The Intersection, not your normal fluffy Christian show. Well, I'm here with the rest of you saying, what happened? What happened on election night? Well, you can go into the whole voter fraud thing, but that's always been there. They, you know, there's always been ballot harvesting and fraud and things like that. So that's been riddled since the beginning of our country. You could go into the uh, the media. You could go into social media. We could go into oh the uh, the ballot harvesting in which Democrats vote for five weeks and we vote on election day. And we better get wise to that. We better we had better. It's not going away, folks. It's not going away. They're gonna this mailing things going on forever and ever and ever, and we need to get wise to that, or else we are going to be in a fix. Um, the fix is in, so we're gonna have to adapt. But uh, outside of that, what else? What else? What this? I mean, how can seventy-five percent of the people? How can seventy-five percent of the people? Um, on exit polls say that the country is going in the wrong direction, uh, that the economy and crime are their biggest fears, and yet no real red wave. Well, I think uh, Theron nailed it the other day. Pretty, uh, He nailed it pretty well when he just said, hey, stop crying. Where did America's changed. There's just not enough of us red-blooded American Judeo-Christian patriots anymore to overcome the machine. And I think that that's probably somewhat true. I think I, well, I think it's very true. I think there's a new generation coming up, and I uh, have to let you in on a little, a little secret here, and it might be painful. We might be in the minority. Yes. Yes, we might be in the minority. So what should... Judeo-Christian. I'm going to talk today about faith. I'm going to get back to the faith issue. What do faith people do when we have political disappointment? Political disappointment. Now, I'm not here. Anything I'm going to say today is not encouraging you to give up. It's not encouraging you to become apolitical. I think that's the biggest problem is Christians, Judeo-Christians, half the time aren't political enough. It's not here to tell you that from pulpits across America we should ignore political things. No, not whatsoever. It is the opposite. But it's sort of a refocus. Now, we are right. We are right to want to be politically politically active, especially as Christians, especially in a country where we're allowed to, especially in a country where the foundation is Judeo-Christian. You can't walk that back. There's no way to change that. It's, we're a Judeo-Christian country in our founding. And even though there may have been some uh, some changes here, and maybe the Judeo-Christian faith has been on the decline, the fact is our founding is solidly on the Judeo-Christian. So what do, you, what do us Christians do? Well, first of all, we have to stay political because, you know, most of the reason we're political is uh, nothing wrong with and I get tired of these preachers who say, ah, oh, you know, don't get political. It's going to divide everybody. It's going to divide your church. It's going to just stay away from politics. How can you stay away from politics when our faith is so intertwined with our and our beliefs so intertwined? Well, we're right not to want to have our children sexualized by pedophiles and clown suits. We're right to not want to have our babies aborted in the womb. We're right to not want to see everything that we hold dear just be washed away. We're right to want to stand for those things. We're right to want to stand for righteousness. But I think the disappointment that I see, especially among conservative evangelicals, we probably need to refocus a little bit and understand that the government, 
This government was never made to bring about the kingdom of God. It's not even made to force righteousness on people. Now, we do want it to restrain evil. We do want it to stop pedophiles from filling our school systems. We do want it to protect the unborn. We do want it to uh, to impose crime and uh, I mean to impose law and order and to punish criminals severely. And by the way, those of you who are in this uh, hippie-matic woke Christianity, were like the police. All cops are bad. Defund the police. You know what I think? I don't think police kick butt enough. I think if you're in some police line or some protest and people start throwing bottles and Molotov cocktails and urine on cops, baby, you get a you get a billy club to the teeth. You swallow them. You swallow them dentures into your stomach. That's how I feel about it. I think cops don't kick butt enough. We need to give them their authority back. That's why criminals are running rampant. I, I, I know people who are officers, and they say, literally in some areas, everyone resists arrest. Grandmas, grandpas, kids, where everyone resists arrest because they know they can get away from it. I think we need law and order, and we need to give our police back a boot to kick people in the face with. Pastor Sean, that's not very Christian. Oh, well, <laughs> read Read why the why God has instituted government. It's for the punishment of evildoers. So we do want our government to be reflective of our values, and we do want our government to restrain evil, but you can't force righteousness. And that's where I think some of us Christians get a little bit, you know, when you feel that heavy disappointment, when did you ever think we were going to be in the majority? Did Jesus ever say we'd be in the majority? He uses, he uses words like narrow is the road that leads to life and few there be that find it. And do we really think the kingdom of God is going to come about because our president or our elected leaders um, are going to somehow enforce a theocracy on civilization? We don't want that. Theocracies didn't work out too well. Look in the Middle East. No, we would love our government to reflect our Christian values. We would love our children to grow up in safe environments. We would like them not to be sexualized in the first or second grade. We would like our babies to be safe uh, from being dismembered in the womb at nine months. Yes, we would like all those things, and we need to fight for all those things. But what happens when government can't do it? What happened? You know, we can't go around forcing people not to sin. That's not even biblical. That's not even scriptural. We want people to convert and by the, the grace of God to live godly, respectable, decent lives. And um, so what do we do? What do we remember as Christians when things politically don't go our way? Well, they cheated. Well, maybe. Maybe. But guess what? It is what it is. As Thayerone said the other day, you can scream that all you want. It is what it is. Well, you know, did you have you ever thought that maybe, maybe our Christian faith should influence the culture, which then influence politics, instead of politics influencing our Christian faith and then trying to force it on the culture? It's kind of backwards. We're not going to legislate righteousness, but what we can do, what we can do as Christians is remember. We belong to a kingdom, and we belong to a a uh, we belong to a faith that's high above all these things. And again, not diminishing, please, don't diminish. But some of you think, man, you think if you if if we didn't win, Jesus isn't coming back, or you know, we just need to give up because you know it's over now. The devil's won. Well, guess what? We as people of faith need to build our foundation on the rock, which is Christ put our trust in Christ and understand that when things don't go our way, especially in the world system, in the political world system, that we need to focus 
and stay positive because we have a God who is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. So let's look at some guiding principles. Let's look at some guiding principles for Christians when it comes to politics. And you know, if anybody, I'm the rock and rev, I'm steeped in politics. And I don't believe in keeping my faith out of the marketplace. I don't believe in keeping my faith out of politics. But we need to keep the politics from influencing the faith. And we have principles we can stand on when things don't go our way. Principle number one. I love this, and I did steal these from someone else because I think it's a, it was just a great synopsis. We live in the freest country in the world where we can exercise our right to vote. We can exercise our right to, to bear arms. We can recognize our right to assemble in free speech. We have so many wonderful things in this country, and we should defend them. But when you see those things going awry, and you see a bunch of leftist progressive, progressive communists taking over, what can we do? And we need to remember, first of all, we have a kingdom which is first and foremost what we belong to. To people who are wrestling with questions equally difficult to the ones we face today, the Apostle Paul famously said, Our citizenship is in heaven, Philippians 3.20. I wonder just how compelling that idea is to most of us. My guess is that many of us treat Paul's words not as a concrete statement of fact, but as an abstract and perhaps aspirational idea. But Paul was plain in his words to the Philippians. To him, citizenship in heaven was not wishful thinking, a far-off promise, but a very present and transformative reality. Jesus was equally plain as he stood before trial before the Roman governor Pontius Pilate and declared, My kingdom is not of this world. So in other words, we need to understand we are citizens of the United States and baby, exercise your rights. But when the Apostle Paul wrote this, he was a Rome, he was in Rome, and you didn't get to vote on the emperor. No, no. No, you didn't you didn't get to push your agenda. You didn't get to lobby. Nope, nope. You'd find your head lopped off and laying in the road. It was it was a uh, dictatorship. It had a Senate and things. It had, it had aspects of what could look like a like a, a democratic republic, but it was it was a brutal place. And Christians needed to understand then. They didn't get to vote for their favorite leaders, but they needed to understand that when things weren't going their way, that's okay because first and foremost, we're not of this world. And remember, the world system, that which is against God, it is a fine, polished machine. The devil's got it polished, and it works for the people who are in it, and it works for the people who serve it. And that's why we get so frustrated sometimes when these elections go down the way they do because that fine— you got to remember something. To, to folks who are leftist progressives, I'm not going to count every Democrat, but lots of you. Government's God. It's everything. You got to win, baby. You got to have power. There is nothing after this. This is it. And you need to be on top. You need to rule. You need to have power. You need to push your agenda and you'll do it whatever way you got to do it, by hook or by crook. Where Christians, we understand that our citizenship here, although amazing in America, is our real citizenship is in heaven and that we are strangers and sojourners, the Bible says. We are strangers and pilgrims passing through this world. So we can make our mark. We need to stand. We need to be strong, but we need to understand that in the end, baby, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess to Jesus. And the real, the real kingdom that's going to reign in the end is the kingdom of God. So don't get discouraged when governments of this world which 99% are corrupt and evil, and ours is trying to go that way. We should defend it. But understand, 
we don't lose in the end, we still win, because Jesus, the ultimate King of kings and Lord of lords, is righteous, and he will judge with righteousness. And let me tell you, nobody's getting away with nothing. Oh, you might get away with some shenanigans here on earth, but one day we're going to stand before the judgment seat, and that's when everything's going to get called into account. Then, baby, no one's hiding. I don't care. I don't care what your status is. I don't care what public position you've held. You are not going to hide. So, so as followers of Jesus, we are first and foremost not of this world kind of people. Our heavenly citizenship is what defines us more than anything else. We might be tempted to root our identity in. I am an American, but I am first a citizen of heaven. Now, we had an America that one time sort of reflected that. It was built on this idea of faith. And that's why the left hates faith so bad. Because they can't have your total allegiance if you believe in God. They can't have your total allegiance if you put your faith in Christ. They can't have your total allegiance if you believe in traditional values or the Bible. If you believe that the Bible is more important, way more important than their their perspectives, their ideologies, then you, my friend, are a danger. But understand, we first and foremost are, we are first and foremost citizens of the kingdom. Citizens of the kingdom. Now, Peter said that we are strangers and foreigners in our land of residence. This should raise another question. Just how should an exile, stranger, or foreigner relate to his or her country of residence? And the the idea is that we first and foremost know that Jesus ain't never getting voted out. Jesus is never going to be dethroned by the public sentiment. Jesus, theology is never going to be overruled by ideology. It's just, it's written in stone. It's the, it's the principles of the universe. It's the, it's the laws that God set in order. What we need to do, as the scripture says, and sometimes it's hard, I gotta bite my tongue, we need to pray for those in authority, for kings, for governors, for, yes, even for Democrats. We need to pray for them. We need to pray that God changes their hearts if they're half-whacked in the brain. We need to pray. Um, and then we need to act as well. So, But but understand, uh, you know, after the disappointment of the elections and the disappointment I heard in others, it made me begin to think maybe our focus is a little bit off maybe our maybe our perception of reality is a little bit off did we actually think i understand that america is a judeo-christian based country but do we think now that the majority of the country is in line with judeo-christian values uh, there's still a lot of it enough of it that we're still giving them a run for the money but it's diminishing unfortunately and we are no longer in the majority and we need to accept that not not go away with our tails between our legs. We need to still fight like fight like we've never fought before. But understand that our ultimate residence is the kingdom of God. Number two, principle number two, choose theology over ideology. You know, some of us get so stuck in political ideology that we forget theology, the truth of the scriptures. What should shape our ideology is first and foremost. You can't really get disappointed when... Uh, your our specific ideology um, doesn't win in public opinion when it, our theology, um, our belief systems about God and his kingdom are forever. So the, the Oxford Languages Dictionary defines theology as the study of the nature of God and religious belief. 
You might say that theology at a very practical level involves the thoughts we have about God. In this sense, we are all theologians to some degree. In contrast, Oxford Dictionary Languages um, defines ideology as a system of ideas and ideals, especially ones which form the basis of economic or political theory and policy. Ideology, then, is a lens through which we look at problems of the world around us, especially political and economic ones, and the way in which we propose in theory to resolve these problems. So um, when I say we choose theology over ideology, not saying there's something inherently wrong with ideology, especially if it's been shaped by theology, but if we choose to give ourselves to a particular political economic idea, it's very possible that it begins to shape our worldview more than the Bible does. And that's what we have to be careful of, that we are not, we are not shaping um, our, uh, our ideology from a worldly point of view, but from the Scripture. What does the Scripture say? What does the Scripture say about how we should conduct ourselves, how we should see the world? I love that scripture where the Lord says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Or 1 Corinthians 3.19, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. Ultimately, as disciples of Jesus, we must be people whose thoughts begin and end with him. Let your theology form your ideology. Don't just jump on the bandwagon. I'll give you an example. We went through this little mode in the Republican Party where... We needed to stay away from from the uh, culture wars because we just needed to worry about economics and taxes and things like that. Stay away from the culture wars. And when we stayed away from the culture wars, pedophile clowns and drag queens began to dance in our schools. When we stayed away from the culture wars, abortion skyrocketed. And, you know, there was this group of Republicans more on the eastern coast for a while that were actually running as pro-choice Republicans. That, my friend, for me... That, my friend, for me, is a make or break. If you come out as a pro-choice Republican, you ain't getting my vote. Well, the Democrat is, too. It's still better to have the Republican. If you come out as a pro-choice, and I think most Christians feel this way, a pro-choice Republican, you're not getting my vote. And that's a real principle. That's where, that's where theology trumps ideology. Well, they'd lower your taxes and your life would be better, and they may not be for abortion. Well, guess what? If you come out as pro-choice, you're not getting my vote. You're not getting my vote. I'm first, I am a Christian conservative, defined first by Christian, second by conservative. Principle number three, choose Christian witness over political power. In uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20, the Apostle Paul states that Christians are God's ambassadors to the world. This is a heavy thought that we should absorb for a moment before moving on. Um, in all I do as a follower of Jesus, I am called to be a representative of God's truth in this world. This is true for you if you've given your life to Jesus. You are called an ambassador of God. You are called an ambassador of God. And we need to believe that the gospel, and I'll tell you in the past, most political revolutions were first followed by a spiritual revolution. Remember the late 60s? Remember all the hippies and the commies? It was bad then. They were blowing up buildings and you had the weather underground and everybody was rejecting Christianity and they were rejecting they were rejecting God and they were rejecting their parents values and people were clamoring for communism and and rooting on for rooting that we lose the Vietnam I mean all kinds of just crazy there was it was as crazy as it gets where do you think all these modern leftists came from they were trained in that weird field but we had all these radicals real radicals back then and you know it looked like we could have lost the country then and then something real marvelous happened 
A lot of those same people became Christians through something called the Jesus Movement. Hippies started getting saved all over the country, and it literally, literally changed their perception of the world through Scripture and through experiences with God, and those same people eventually became what we know as the religious right. Those people and that, that, that influence of Christianity on their life changed their political view. I don't know how many people I could tell you about that their political views changed after they came to Christ. And we don't, we don't want to try to use political power to change people's views. You're not going to get, you're not going to get uh, bloodthirsty abortionists and, and uh, you're not going to get people who want to push LGBTQ and corrupt your— you're not gonna, Those people aren't going to change by your political ideology. They can change as they repent and turn to Jesus, and God changes their heart. I have met—I know numerous people that after an encounter with Christ think very different— their whole worldview changed— not just about politics, but especially about politics. And they are different people. I mean, they were fighting tooth and nail before, but they changed once they had an experience with Jesus. Let's pray for a revival. Let's pray for a revival. That's what we need to pray for, because you change people's hearts, they'll vote right. You get Jesus in the middle of it, they're going to they're gonna make right decisions. So we need to be proactive about the gospel on them, but we should need to put as much energy into that as we do into our political activism. Okay, principle. Let's do let's take another principle here for us believers who find ourselves disappointed. Choose trust over panic. Ultimately, whoever's in office, we must remember that God is on his throne. Bam! If you remember, man, I'll just I'll run around this studio today. If you remember anything, whoever's in office, God is on his throne. This becomes more difficult to recall the more deeply we are invested in a political political outcome. I know Christians who think, man, it's over for Jesus. Jesus was pulled off the throne in the election. I mean, it's done. All of our children are going to be ruined. Everything's o- it's over. Because they're investing more deeply into who's holding public office than who sits on the throne. And like I said, we're not apolit- we're not we're not all being apolitical. In fact, if you're a Christian, you should be so political. You should be so activist. You should be because your faith and your belief systems ought to shape your theology, ought to shape your ideology. But we need to also remember not to panic when we see our Judeo-Christian values under attack and we see those who are attacking them when when we need to not panic because ultimately God is on the throne, and my brothers and sisters, the scripture says every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. Nobody's getting away from anything. Nobody's getting away with it. There's a day called Judgment Day in which the eyes of the Lord will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive according to deeds done in the body, and he's going to expose. There there won't be any scandals that that won't be known. So all you got to worry about is you live right so your scandals don't get revealed. Amen? Until next time, this is Pastor Sean. May God richly bless you. We're the bad news. We're the young guns. We're the ones that they told you to run from. Yeah, the player's gonna play and the hater's gonna hate.